Act Three of The Intimate Strangers by Booth Tarkington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three Scene The scene is the same interior shown in the second act. The time is late in the afternoon toward evening of the same day. The outdoor light, seen through the sunroom windows, has a rosier amber than in the second act, a forerunning of the approaching sunset, but the stage is still bright with light. Discovered. Aunt Ellen, as in Act Two, sits by the fireplace, which sends out a warm glow. She is crocheting. Matty, on hands and knees, is facing the cabinet upright. The doors of the cabinet are partly open, revealing shelves of old boxes, old ornaments of various kinds, small vases, silver porringers, etc., two or three old pistols, rolled papers, old and tied with red ribbon, some old books. Matty is poying carefully among these, apparently puzzled seen to be played quietly and inconsequently rather quickly. Matty discovered rubbing the inside of the left door of the cabinet. Aunt Ellen comes down centre. It certainly ain't here, Miss Ellen. But that's where it ought to be. Did she tell you to scrape that date off? I wasn't to say, Miss Ellen. Anyway, it's only half the date was to be scraped off. It's very singular. But the rest of it is more singular. Isabel enters left. Did you ask Aunt Isabel? Did she ask me what, Ellen? She limps to centre. Oh, the poor thing. She's limping worse. It's very singular. What is? It's very singular. The family Bible's missing. Oh, is that all? Isabel limps to sofa. Is that all? Do you realize the date of my birth is written in that Bible? Isabel sits on sofa lightly. Oh, yes. Yours is there too, isn't it? I've always thought fathers were an inconsiderate class of men. When they have a baby, they only think of themselves. They go and write down the date in a Bible even when the baby's a girl. They don't stop to think. Aunt Ellen looking at her with an approach to suspicion. What is the matter with you? Do you think something does seem the matter with me? Do you really? She is pleased with the idea that something may really be the matter with her. You haven't got upset this way for quite a long while now, but it certainly isn't the first time, is it, Matty? Isabel has her lace with her and begins to work. Aunt Ellen doesn't turn her head to make this inquiry, but continues her crocheting. No, ma'am. It happens every time she has a shooter. Last one was that Philadelphia man-widower. She half killed him horseback riding, and before him that awful youngish one from Buffalo, and then that old one. Isabel quickly to check Matty's list of suitors. Never mind the old one. Ellen, there's another Bible upstairs. But I'm used to reading my daily chapter from this one. Don't you suppose you'd find much the same ideas in both of them? 
Aunt Isabel. Yes, Ella. I suppose you treat me like a child because I'm only your niece? Ellen, have I ever taken advantage of my position as your aunt? A great many people have very little respect for nieces, and as I'm only your half-niece... As you're only my half-niece, you only have half as much respect for me as you ought to have? I don't pretend to fathom your purpose in concealing the Bible from me. Isabel shaking her head. Oh, I'm not sure that nieces ought to be allowed to look at all the pictures in any old family Bible. But of course, I don't admit I did hide it. Aunt Ellen incensed, becoming stately as she goes left. I decline to be treated like a child. She exits left. She's on. She's what? She knows the good book never walked out of there by itself. Isabel turning eagerly in her chair. Did you do just what I told you to do? Matty, with a gesture to a chair, left centre. She tells it quickly without acting. Yes, ma'am. I waited till he was sitting in here alone a bit ago. So I come in and begun to look around, and I says to myself like the way you told me, Well, that's funny, I says talking to myself. It's funny where such a thing as that could get to. A great big old family Bible, I says. What do you say was missing? He says. So I says, excuse me, it's nothing, only the family Bible. We always kept it in here. With a gesture to the cabinet. So I know it must be around somewhere, I says. Well, he jumped right up. My goodness, he says. Let me help you look for it, he says. Yes, Maddie. Did he look all over the room? He pretty near took up the floor. Then he went out in the hall and looked under the stairs and under everything else. Maybe somebody's using it for just a while, he says, and they'll bring it back here when they got it. Well, I says, I put this in myself, you didn't tell me to. Well, I says, they might bring it back here, yes, or somebody might have put it up in the attic. In the attic, he says. I hardly got time to go up there, though, I says. I do take a terrible interest in Bibles, he says. Do you think there is any objection to my going up in the attic to see, he says. Oh, no, sir, I says, none at all. Somebody might have put it there, as you say, he says. They often do, he says, and if you think Miss Stewart wouldn't mind. Oh, no, I says, I know she wouldn't. You just go ahead, I says. Matty, and he did? Yes, ma'am. I reckon he's still up there. On the whole, he seems quite excited about it, then. Well, I never see a man show so much energy trying to find a good book. We all ought to be glad this has happened, Maddie. Why ought we? We ought to be glad to have such a religious man in the house. Matty dryly going left. Yes, ma'am. I must say I don't blame you for hiding it. With all your ages and the family scandal rode out in it. What scandal? About your poor father, ma'am. Good gracious, Maddie, it isn't a scandal for a man to marry a second time. Yes, ma'am. At his terrible age, it was. Well, I never reproached him for it, because I shouldn't have been born if he hadn't. Have you seen my other case of needles, Maddie? Rises. No, ma'am. What I don't understand is why you wanted him to know it was missing. She hopes to be told. 
No, that's very true. You don't understand that, Maddie. Matty opening the door to go out. No, ma'am. When he comes down, oh, there's that case of needles. She sees it on the table left centre and steps toward it. Matty warningly. Shh, he's down. Down where? She abandons her intention of getting the needles, though she is near them. She turns and goes quickly back, with almost no lameness, to the sofa and resumes her work. Matty stares astonished. I thought you was limping this afternoon. I am. It comes and goes. Is he there? Matty peering out of the door and looking back, whispering. He's looking under the hall, Sophie, again. She coughs, steps back, and Ames enters left. Ames comes in quickly, with the frown of a person intent on a serious search. His eye is on the cabinet, and he has come into the room to go there. He checks himself at sight of Isabel by the fire. Matty observes them both with interest. Oh, oh. How do you do? Isabel working. How do you do? I hope you're better. He glances at the cabinet. Oh, yes, it comes and goes, you know. Touches her knee. No, I don't. I've never had it so far. Isabel rising and looking about. Not so far. Are you looking for something? Yes, I had it a little while ago, too. It's stupid of me. Rises. Aims eagerly, quickly, hoping she means the Bible. Can't you remember where you put it? Did you have it in here? Yes. She moves slowly and her lameness is now somewhat more apparent. Matty, kept by her curiosity at the door, observes her with enlarging eyes and an opening mouth. Isabel goes on. Yes, I'm sure I had it in here. If I could only think where I put it. Let me look. You really shouldn't move about much, I'm afraid. He is already looking about. You're so kind. It is a little bothersome at times. There is a faint sound like a choke from Matty. Not mirth but a moral amazement. Isabel turns toward her at this. Oh, that's all, Maddie. I shan't want you for anything more. Yes, ma'am. Exits left. Isabel concentrating. If I could only think. It seems to me I left it somewhere over on this side of the room. The left side. I hardly think so. He glances behind a large wall chair. I already have looked all over this. Crosses to left to lower end of table. Why, there it is! On the table all the time. On the table? Isabel pointing to the little case of needles. Yes, just where I left it, of course. He picks it up. This? Is this what you mean? <laughs> Yes, my needles. What did you think I meant? I... I didn't know exactly. Then what were you looking for? I was looking for your needles, too. 
I didn't know they were what you wanted, I mean to say. But I wanted to find them if you were looking for them. I see. You didn't know you were looking for them, but you were. I'll take them, please. Oh, yes. He hands them to her. Thank you. She has stretched out her arm to take the needles, looking at him gravely. Something in her look arrests him, and he unconsciously retains his grasp of the little red case, so that for a moment or two their fingers are almost in contact upon it. Their eyes meet, and her expression for that moment becomes one of an almost revealed mockery. He starts slightly. The mockery deepens, and she laughs. What are you laughing at? Isabel turning to go back to sofa. <laughs> it was so peculiar. You're looking for something without knowing what you were looking for. She changes to a sudden little gasp. Oh. Are you in considerable pain? Comes to her. It just comes and goes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. She laughs again, gasps again, laughs once more as she goes to the chair. Won't you lean on me? No, no. Can't I get you something? Isabel sinking into sofa. No, there isn't any in the house. Ames coming toward her. I'm so sorry. Isabel smiling. It's gone now. It comes and goes. That is, comes, but it does go. You know, like most other things in the world. Looking up at him charmingly, wistfully for a moment. I must say, your eyes. Yes, my eyes. I think I remember your speaking of them this morning. Your eyes. Isabel looking back at her work. Ah, what, what were you going to say about them? I was going to say... I was going to say, don't you think you ought to get advice about using them for such fine work? They've held out so well. I think now they'll last my time. Do you have any trouble with yours? I? Oh, no. I use glasses sometimes for very fine print. I'm so sorry. Ames laughing nervously. Oh, it isn't because of my... Age, he means to say but cuts it off. I mean, it just happened. I know. Even very young people get these little astigmatisms. They don't mean anything. There's something I haven't had a chance to explain to you. Please don't explain anything, especially if it's about a telegram. But that telegram wasn't... Isabel declining to listen. No, no. Poor man, you had to stay, didn't you? I wanted to. Of course. What have you been doing for the last hour or so? I? He unconsciously looks upward, thinking of the attic. I've just been looking about. He goes to the cabinet upright. Matty has left one of the doors ajar. You have so many interesting things. He quickly and surreptitiously opens the door wider as he speaks and takes a hurried survey of that half of the shelves, revealed by the open door. 
Isabel turns her head only a little, and applies herself to her work. She knows what he is doing without looking directly at him. Florence was with you? No, she went fishing in your brook with young Mr. White. He wishes to open the other door of the cabinet. Fishing? She turns her head, and he moves down away from the cabinet with apparent carelessness. Did she wear her rubber boots? Her rubber boots? I don't know. I don't know what her footwear was. I'm really not in the boot and shoe business. I'm a lawyer. Isabel consolingly as she rises. She won't be gone long. She goes toward up left as she speaks. I'm so glad you changed your mind about them. About them? Isabel nearing the door up left. Yes, about the new generation. The brazen little hussies. You frightened me last night about them. Why, how'd I frighten you? Why, I was afraid you mightn't like my great niece. Under the circumstances, you see. Well, well, that would have been too bad, wouldn't it? She gives him a glance of quick, smiling mockery over her shoulder and passes out of the door up left. He stares after her, perplexed, passes his hand hurriedly over his brow, then goes to the cabinet, opens its other door, and stoops to look within. Isabel re-enters down left, having gone out only to see if he would go to the cabinet. She sees him there as she comes in. I'm afraid... Ames turns to her. I'm afraid I left my work here. She comes down toward right. Ames, embarrassed, moving hastily away from the cabinet. Ah, uh, I was... your work? Let me find it for you. In his nervousness, he goes to the table left centre to look for it. Oh, no, don't bother. I think I left it on the sofa. She reaches the chair. Yes. She sits on sofa. I think I'll stay here, after all, if you're sure I won't be interrupting you. Interrupting me? Why, I'm not doing anything. What in the world do you mean? You spoke of our having interesting things. I didn't want to interrupt your looking at them. Oh. A puzzled, oh, that's what you meant, is what he expresses. I noticed you were interested in that cabinet. Yes, so I was. He goes to it and completes his investigation. Yes, indeed. He sees that the Bible is not there and adds in a blank tone. Yes, it's a very interesting old piece. Do you think so? I'm not an expert on periods, but I'd call it a very fine, quaint old piece. Isabel with a little too much serenity. Yes, they had it made for a present to me on my 15th birthday. Oh, oh. I see, it's a reproduction. It was made for you, your 15th birthday? Yes, it had an inscription with the date on it. Ames, trying to conceal his sudden great interest. It had? An inscription with the... Where? He looks quickly over the top and sides of the cabinet as he speaks. Where's there any day? Where's there any inscription? 
I don't see an inscription. I think it's inside the door on the left. Ames swinging the door open instantly and putting on his glasses. On the left, yes. It says, To Isabel Stewart, on her fifteenth birthday, June thirteenth. He begins the reading rapidly, but slows up and looks more and more closely at the inscription, which is in small gilt letters, and the concluding words are slow with bafflement. Fifteenth birthday, June thirteenth. That's all it says. The rest seems to have been, um, scraped off. Isabel lightly. Oh, that was only the year they gave it to me. I suppose the figures have been worn off, with time. Do you think it's an interesting piece of cabinet-making? Ames blankly giving up the figures. Yes, very. A very interesting piece indeed, I should say. Have you ever noticed how disappointing most fine, quaint old pieces are when you come to look inside of them? Yes, that's true. They often are. Glances at cabinet. We try to do better with that one. We keep relics in it, daguerreotypes, all sorts of things, the family Bible, and... Then, as by a casual thought. Oh, Maddie tells me it's missing, by the way. She said you were so kind about it. She did? She said... Isabel smiling gratefully. She said you helped her look for it. Oh, that was nothing. Uh, nothing at all. She said you were so kind. Oh, no. Not at all. It's a little thing, of course, to stop and help a servant like that. But it's the little things that show our characters. We learn that in Sunday school, don't we? It was so thoughtful of you to stop and help poor Maddie like that. Oh, no. You mustn't praise me for it. It was nothing at all. Isabel smiling wistfully and observing him, as if rather wondering. Do you think you seem a little different today from last night? Oh, no. Not at all. Don't you notice it? Why, no, of course not. Not at all. Last night you were, well, you were quite fluent. But all day you've hardly said anything except... Oh, no, not at all, of course not, or nothing, oh, nothing at all. Oh, no, not at, that is to say, I... Isabel rises sympathetically. Is it because you can't think of anything else to say? Oh, no, not at, no. No, it isn't because of that, not at, not a bit. You do seem to be thinking. I can see you're doing that. But why don't you tell me what you're thinking? Because I'm really not. You're not thinking? No, not about anything, I mean. Is it something you won't tell me, or something you can't tell me? It's nothing. It's nothing at... Nothing whatever. Nothing whatever. Can't you think of anything else to say? Why, yes, of course. Uh, of course I can. Anything at all. Anything. Goes around table and crosses to left centre. You don't think I've changed since last night, do you? You aren't disappointed in me, are you? 
Why, of course I'm not. Not at... Certainly not. Why, no, not... Not at all, certainly not. And you haven't changed, have you? Why, no, not at... Isabel going nearer to him, reproachfully. Not at all. Why, of course not. Not at all. Nothing whatever. What on earth do you mean? Why, that's what you were going to say, wasn't it? You haven't changed, have you? Why, of course not. Not at... No, I wouldn't. That's all I meant. You wouldn't. When you've done a thing, you're the sort of man that stands by it, no matter what. Ames astounded, breaking out. My soul, I believe you're making fun of me. Why, of course I'm not, not at all. But you say one thing and you seem to mean something else, and you seem to mean one thing and you say another. No wonder I can't say anything but not at all and nothing at all. Crosses right. But don't you see? I'm just trying to get us better acquainted with each other. I think we ought to be, don't you? I should think it would be a good thing, yes, indeed. Let me see. I've told you why I never married. Isn't there something in particular? Isn't there something else you'd like to know? Can't you think of anything at all? At each one of these interrogatories, he seems about to speak, then checks himself and dumbly shakes his head. She insists. You're sure there isn't anything? She comes down closer, facing him. He shakes his head again. And you feel profoundly happy? Yes, indeed. I believe that's the noblest effort I ever heard any man make. Emotion chokes her a very little bit. Effort? Isabel covering her emotion by speaking quickly, but her voice shakes a little. She goes up centre. Yes, it was. But don't be afraid, Mr. Ames. I really didn't expect you to be different from other men. You've done your best and you shall have your reward. What reward? Isabel a little chokingly as she looks out upright. I think Johnny White's bringing it. I think it's a message. She turns aside with some pathos. What message? Johnny enters gloomily upright. He wears an old knickerbocker suit, rough, muddy shoes, and he leaves an old rod and basket near the door. He comes down centre and looks coldly at Ames. Johnny, with a movement of his head to upright, speaks to Ames deliberately. She's, uh, she's sitting out on a limb of a willow tree that sticks out over the water, and she wants you to come and look at her. Ames, frowning. Who's sitting on a limb and wants me to come and look at her? Her. Her? I expect you know I mean Florence by this time, Mr. Ames. She sent you for me? She got herself out on this limb, and she looked over, and took a look at herself in the water. Then she said, Well, I do look right cunning out here, don't I? Are we going to do any fishing? I asked her. Then she said, I wish Mr. Ames were here. What for? To look at you on that limb? I asked her. I'll go get him for you. 
don't let him know i sent for him she told me no i won't i told her he wouldn't even guess when he comes out and looks at you that you want him to oh no he wouldn't that limb she's sitting on it's pretty old and it might not hold her up too long so don't you guess you'd better go mr ames i yes please do ames a little sharply to johnny i think it would be much better if you'd go back and get her down from that limb and go ahead with your fishing mr white turns away to right fishing she never meant that kind i think you'd better go because from what i know of her she'll sit there either till you come and see how cunning she looks or else falls in the water won't you please go and bring her in oh certainly if you ask me he goes abruptly upright of course i don't mean for you to hurry back with her thank you exits upright isabel looks after him rather pathetically she's she's going to get him miss stewart isabel turning down blankly sits right of table left johnny comes down centre what she's made up her mind and there's just one thing my life's taught me and that is when a girl like her really starts after an older man well you know she's going to make him lift her down from that tree oh yes certainly johnny with a sudden change coming to her solemnly miss stuart i'd like to see a great deal more of you in the in the future as it were than we have in in the past as as it were why what are you talking about johnny what i've been thinking why you take a person's whole character especially you take a woman's character and no matter what's the difference between her age and some younger man that thinks a lot of her character age because she's settled down and quit her foolishness the way you have miss stuart well it's the difference between a character like that and one that's got to make a collection of every old man she sees no matter what his age is so what i mean why this being used just for a messenger boy i'd better cure myself and get over it and the best way be to find some character i could look up to and get a sacred feeling about isabel incredulous do you mean me johnny yes'm that's why i'd like to see more of you in the future uh, as it were will you johnny white what are you up to well you've read henry esmond or have you yes well he had that sacred feeling the way a younger man does about a woman some older than he was wasn't he didn't he isabel she jumps up you funny funny boy you think you'll make florence jealous no i don't care much whether she is or not not much i mean it isabel laughing <laughs> you mean you're a little cross with her for a few minutes till she brings you around no i mean it i expect it would do her good do you see the way she looked at me when i said i preferred to this morning but what i mean is about you why i mean it you don't mean you've got a sacred feeling about me johnny white 
Well, there aren't many people, understand, but I'd like to think I've got a kind of sacred feeling about you instead of just a messenger boy, because I look up to you, because you're so different from her. Won't you let me? Isabel laughing, but rather touched. <laughs> what nonsense! Yes, but won't you? You know how she acts. Won't you let me? Isabel, with amused indulgence, putting her arm lightly, affectionately round his shoulders. Why, yes, if you want to, you dear thing. Florence enters briskly upright, just on the moment, but halts abruptly. She wears a fishing costume of a most effective kind. I do want to. He takes her other hand. Florence laughing rather loudly, with some disquiet of mind. Well, of all the foolish sights, what are you two doing? Johnny, giving her a very short glance over his shoulder, speaks very gently and solemnly to Isabel. Let's sit over there. He means the sofa across the room. They are left centre. He leads her. Isabel is controlling amusement but is rather tenderly pleased and touched by Johnny's absurdity. Isabel, as they move toward right. Where is Mr. Ames? He's bringing my fishing traps. What is the... Lean on me. I prefer it. Is Aunt Isabel's rheumatism worse? Oh, no. No, it isn't lameness. He looks continually at Isabel. Then what is it? Isabel, as they reach the sofa. Did you want me to sit here with you, Johnny? Yes, let's sit here. This is the place I meant. They sit. Well, of all the foolish-looking people I ever saw. She is moving up centre, as if to go out, but stops as Johnny speaks, then goes downright to chair below fireplace. She couldn't understand. It's the difference in your character. She couldn't ever understand. Isabel covers her mouth with her hand and clenched kerchief. Florence puzzled and beginning to be annoyed. What are you two? It really was a little queer, Aunt Isabel. What was queer, dear? Florence laughing rather uncomfortably. Why, to walk in here and find you locked in an embrace with Johnny White. Isabel choking down her amusement. Oh, dear. Did you see that, Florence? Florence still laughing thinly. And after last night. Well, I guess the less said about that, the better. Yes, indeed, dear. It seems to me your conduct is certainly open to interpretation. Yes, Florence, I'm afraid I'm a wild thing. Why, you've got poor Mr. Ames so upset he isn't normal. Isn't he? I happened to be on the branch of a tree, and he just said to, Come down and go in the house. You were worrying about me. Did he? I don't believe you want anybody to be nice to me. You just want to flirt with every man in the world yourself. Starts upright. But I don't know them all. She couldn't understand. Florence very sharply, as this repetition goads her. I couldn't understand what. Comes back downright. 
Did you ever read Henry Esmond? No, I didn't. Sits on arm of armchair. I expect not. You aren't intellectual, particularly, Florence. It's by William Makepeace Thackeray. Well, what of that? Oh, nothing. Only he was kind of carried away with a light weight for a while. This William Makepeace was... No, Henry Esmond was. It didn't last very long. Some novels are a good deal like life. To Isabel. She couldn't understand. Are you in earnest? Johnny ignoring her. If she lived to be a hundred, she couldn't understand, could she? Isabel whimsically, gently to him. I don't believe she could. Ames enters upright, carrying Florence's rods and basket. Florence stung. No! Well, if I do live to be a hundred, I hope I'll understand how to behave at that age. Ames turns to go out again right, as if to avoid a family scene, saying, I beg your pardon. Isabel seeing him. Oh, don't go, Mr. Ames. Ames comes down centre. It's nothing. Johnny to Florence. Aren't you ashamed, any? Me? For saying if I live to be a hundred, I hope I'll know better than to let mere adolescents talk much to me? Golly, no. Isabel to Ames. I'm afraid she means her great aunt. I should say I do. Why, last month there was a three times widower hanging around. He wasn't four minutes under eighty. And a week before that, it was a child about nineteen. Last night it was Mr. Ames, and now it's Johnny White. And they began with a fond embrace. I saw it. Isabel to Ames. Yes, she did. Sometimes she doesn't act more in sixteen. Crosses right back of sofa. Isabel rises. There, Mr. Ames, you have me. I beg your pardon. My portrait, drawn by my great niece. I flirt with three times widowers, and with children of nineteen, and with you, and with Johnny White, and Johnny and I began with a fond embrace. To finish it, I'm a hundred years old, and I'm sixteen years old. So there, my friend, you know me. She curtsies to him, and moves rather quickly toward the door left limping a little johnny quickly with a movement toward her won't you come back and sit here some more isabel checking him smiling no not now but you can run home and change your clothes and come back to dinner can i yes you can i'll be waiting for you johnny white she gives ames a little sudden bob of a nod which seems to daze him and exits quickly left. Ames sits blankly right of table left. Florence right. Well, of all the darn conduct I ever in my life. Of course, it's mysterious to you. You couldn't even be expected to understand. Goes up centre. Florence coming a step toward him, irritated. What is the matter with you? Follows Johnny up centre. Nothing you'd be able to under... Stop it! If you say that to me again... I want to say just one last thing to you. 
Oh, you do, do you? It's simply just only this. Hark, a man really does like to have somebody to look up to. Well, you don't have to be silly about everybody you look up to, do you? Johnny with a pleasant thought about it, and the manner assuming that his thought is beyond her. Well, I don't know. I might. Why, yes. Yes, I think a man might feel a good deal that way. What? Excuse me. I think that's about all I care to say for the time being. He goes up and gets his rods and basket. Why, you darned little! Johnny, with easy superior carelessness, but not smiling. I may see you later in the evening for a moment or so, if I have time. Near door upright. Why, you just told her you're coming back to... To dinner, yes. Yes, I said I may see you across the table or somewhere, probably. Thanking you for your kind attention, I beg to remain, etc., etc. Exits upright without smiling. Start to dim outside lights. Why, you... Then turns indignantly to Ames. Comes down centre. Did you ever know any other girl that had an aunt like my aunt? Ames shaking his head seriously. No, no, I never did. Florence gesturing to the door of Johnny's exit. Why, even that poor little child. It's terrible. What do you think about her? What do I? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about her. Not a single thing. Well, I think I know one thing about her. You're her niece? And you think you know one thing about her? I believe she's been a coquette from the day she was born. From the day she was? He jumps up sharply. Have you happened to see the family Bible? What family Bible? Your family's. The one they keep in here. Well, for heaven's sake, what would I be doing with it? I don't know. What do you want it for? What do I want it for? He recovers himself. I wanted to see if it's a first edition. I collect first editions. You collect first editions of the Bible? Why, no. I thought not. Sits on sofa. Mr. Ames, do you believe an older man's feelings for a younger woman is deeper than a younger woman's feeling for an older man? I don't know. Won't you sit here? Very well. Sits on sofa left of Florence. Before I settle down or anything, I think I ought to have the experience of a serious affair with some older man. Start to dim the stage lights here very slowly. Oh. Florence giving him a lovely smile. Oh, dear. I wish I had my slippers instead of these. She holds up her booted feet plaintively. Ames rising nervously. Oh, I think you look very well in boots. Florence frowning. They're so heavy. I do wish I had my... She is interrupted by the opening of the door left. Matty enters there, bringing a pair of pretty patent leather slippers. Florence staring. Well, for heaven's sake, just as I was saying I wanted them. Ames sees the slippers in Matty's hand, turns and strides hurriedly up to the sunroom. Florence goes on. How in the... 
she checks herself and at a thought speaks decisively mattie that's no mere coincidence mattie bringing the slippers and setting them on the floor before florence no ma'am your aunt isabel told me to listen at the door what ames turns sharply and stares at mattie mattie going on casually your aunt isabel told me to listen at the door till i heard you begin talking about changing your footwear and then to bring them in for you she told you to listen at the yes ma'am she says to be perfectly honourable and pay no attention till i heard the words slippers and she says the rest of the conversation wouldn't be worth my while anyway exits left florence frowning puzzled stares thoughtfully at the closing door then turns front well if that isn't queer no it's no queerer than anything else coming down right well after all now that my slippers are here i don't think i'd i don't think i'd better florence rising concentrating disapprovingly well what do you think nothing he goes up to the sunroom the light outside has grown rosier and inside it is a little darker the glow from the fireplace brightens aunt ellen enters left she has changed her dress for a dark silk which has a suggestion of state about it florence do you consider that an appropriate costume for the drawing-room it ain't one ain't ain't no it ain't it ain't a drawing-room it's a living-room if people can't be young again anyhow they can be modern aunt ellen turning to go out again left i will withdraw from the room until you florence picking up her slippers murder don't go i apologize gosh i apologize without the gosh i'm going oh murder i'm tired tired why you haven't been doing anything compared to your aunt isabel florence going slowly and wearily up left with a gloomy sigh it seems to me as if i just spent my life dressing it's all so savourless suddenly she begins to sing brightly breaks into a skip calls back sweetly see you later william exits up left skipping and singing ames is surprised aunt ellen looks after florence disapprovingly very slightly shaking her head you must overlook it william good gracious i mean she corrects herself hastily mr ames oh don't bother she belongs to a very different generation from the one you and i grew up with ames right centre set aback by her you and i ah yes yes indeed aunt ellen going slowly toward right you and i were taught a very different behaviour toward our elders yes the the previous um generations had a very different training though this one certainly has charm too i wonder how many of uh us though can remember just what we were like in our own youth aunt ellen somewhat surprised why i recall my own perfectly that's remarkably 
he changes the word to remarkably with a slight vocal struggle in the midst of it pleasant your uh, aunt miss stuart does too and about public events she remembers wonderfully we were reminiscing this morning all about hayes and wheeler and samuel j tilden do you happen to remember that campaign aunt ellen looking at him over her shoulder she is touching some music sheets on the piano why of course well she said she thought it was a terrible thing hayes and wheeler not getting elected they were elected anybody that says they weren't is a a despicable democrat oh i think they were myself i only wondered uh, i wasn't just able to recall what year that campaign was it was in eighteen seventy six the same year as the philadelphia exposition in eighteen seventy six oh yes it was uh, a historical reference i see historical i went to that exposition myself ames he looks at his watch with another feeble murmur of plaintive laughter i'm afraid i uh, i suppose i'd better be yes uh, i suppose i'd better he goes awkwardly left and glances upward thinking of going to his room upstairs i'd better uh, i suppose i'd better make uh, at the door well i yes ames wiping his forehead hurriedly well thank you uh exit dazedly left aunt ellen sits at the piano and begins to play rather softly she has a fine touch and plays with feeling the light outdoors is the final rosiness of sunset the firelight sends forth a broad rosy glow but the rest of the scene is darkened as she plays through an old-fashioned melody she has played about a dozen bars when a figure enters up left in the sunroom it is isabel but she is not distinctly seen the glow up beyond the sunroom windows is behind her and it is not until she reaches the table left centre that the firelight falls upon her she has changed her dress for another suggesting a gayer smartness than that previously worn in the act she still suggests the slight lameness she is carrying a large and heavy old book when she reaches the table the firelight falls on her and we should get a gleam of jewels she opens the bible upon the table and lets it remain open aunt ellen as isabel reaches the table is that you isabel she does not turn her head yes go on playing dear she crosses to the fireplace using her cane and sits gazing into the fire there is a pause the piano continuing and then their talk goes on through the playing my old tunes are better than florence's aren't they oh, i think music was best of all in my day no it was best in my day no i think it began to fall off by the time you came along music was best when my day was the best isabel sits in armchair at fireplace 
Florence will say that some day. Music is best in each one's day. What a pleasant thing that is, that we all of us see afterward that our first youth was best. It isn't pleasant to see anything afterward. Well, then, we can always look forward to something, can't we? Aunt Ellen, struck by this. Oh! Her hands pause on the keys, and she glances round for a moment at Isabel. Oh, I understand what you mean. He was in here a while ago trying to find out. You know what I mean. He didn't ask you, though. No. You can see he'd be nice under any circumstances. Nice? Why, he's the bravest man I've ever seen. He's too plucky to withdraw. Some remarks he made to me last night. Aunt Ellen plays a bar or two, then gravely. I wonder if I oughtn't to stop calling you Aunt Isabel? Why? I am your aunt. My half-aunt. Isn't that plenty? I've always liked calling you Aunt Isabel for one reason. Nobody'd think I'm too old to be alive while I've still got an aunt. But it mightn't be consistent now. Why mightn't it? Aunt Ellen, very seriously, not playing for the moment. Well, if anything should happen, I really shouldn't know how to begin calling Mr. Ames Uncle William. Never mind, dear. It won't happen. Aunt Ellen stops playing and turns. I never could call Mr. Ames uncle. She is very serious. You might call him nephew. Rises. Pooh! She plays softly. Why not? Isn't Florence what all men want? Think of father. Mother was only nineteen or so when he married her, and he was sixty-five. Poor grandfather's weakness in marrying a girl as your mother was oughtn't to be. She plays again. Isabel sits on sofa. Yes, but there it is. We're like Portia's caskets, we women, and the men come to choose without knowing what they'll find. Silver and gold, that's first youth, and it ought to have been written of that silver and gold casket. Who chooses me shall choose what every man desires. But if any man comes to choose me, well, a woman past twenty-eight is a thousand. I'll show him only lead. I never heard before of a woman that teased a man to make him think she was older than she was. And if it isn't to make him feel better when he finds out... No, I've just told you why. Oh, you can give all the pretty reasons you want to, but I know... You thought you'd test him and you've been punishing him for even daring to wonder how old you are. Isabel rises to protest. Oh, I... And he's beginning to suspect. Think how pretty dancing was in my day. She begins to play an old waltz. They were pretty, the old waltzes. Aunt Ellen, her memory of the music faltering. How did that go there? She tries to remember by singing it. La la la. Isabel rising. No, it's this. She hums it and beats time, moving a few waltz steps, but keeping to a hint of her lameness. Yes, that's it. She hums and begins to waltz slowly in the same manner as before. 
Isabel falls a little and a little more into the spirit of the waltz, never wholly abandoning the hint of lameness. The waltz time is rather slow, but quickens a little, and almost imperceptibly, Isabel moves in and out of the firelight glow as she dances, and her scarf floats following her. Johnny White enters at the door left, and stands looking on without surprise. Isabel sees him, but only nods and continues. He wears a dinner coat. Don't you want a partner? Isabel coming toward him. Johnny White, do you know the old waltz? Yes, am Without losing her step, she lets her left hand fall lightly upon his shoulder. He catches her step and they dance. The waltz time is now a little quicker, and Aunt Ellen plays it with great pleasure. Isabel dances with a greater abandon, until she has almost forgotten the hint of lameness. The sunroom is so dark that the opening of the door up left is unperceived. Ames, who has changed to a dinner coat, enters there, and stands dumbfounded. Florence enters just behind him, and comes forward. Florence, exclaiming loudly, crosses to upright above fireplace. Well, for heaven's sake, what are you doing now? Isabel startled as she sees Ames. Oh! She at once remembers her lameness. They stop dancing downright. Isabel goes to centre. Johnny stays downright below fireplace. I, I'm afraid I forgot myself for the moment. I, you oughtn't have tempted me, Johnny. It might be dangerous. Ames striding down to her. Will you dance with me, Isabel? Isabel a little breathless. What? Will you dance with me, Isabel? Isabel looks at him incredulously. Dance with you, Mr. Ames? Yes, I remember the old waltzes. But perhaps you don't realize how old they are, or how lame I am. I don't care. Won't you dance with me? Yes. She puts her left arm on his shoulder, as she did with Johnny, and with a much more pronounced lameness than before, and in very slow time they begin to waltz, Aunt Ellen playing softly as they dance. So you and I are in the fashion again. They say everybody dances all the time nowadays. I don't know anything, except when I saw you dancing, I wanted to dance with you. I do. Do you? No matter how slowly? Yes, I do. But Florence would like to dance with you again. What nonsense! Isabel suddenly radiant. Can't you play any faster than that, Ellen? Why don't you turn the lights up, Florence? Aunt Ellen plays suddenly with greater spirit. Florence snaps on the lights and is revealed to be laughing inextinguishably. Florence slapping Johnny's back with her other hand in her extreme jocosity. My, but those old-fashioned dances are funny. Don't they look crazy? Isabel happily calling to her. Do we? She discards her lameness entirely, during the next few measures. The two dance like happy experts of eighteen. They look at each other like lovers. 
Florence ceases to laugh and becomes mystified. So does Johnny. They stare with their mouths open. Finally, Florence speaks with the emphasis of complete puzzlement. Well, just look at them looking at each other. Johnny grinning, but speaking indignantly to her. Ain't you got any sense? Aunt Ellen lifts her left hand from the keys in a passionate gesture, not ceasing to play with her right. As her back is obliquely to front and right, her left hand is toward Florence and Johnny. Florence inquiring poignantly the meaning of the gesture. What? Aunt Ellen repeats the passionate gesture. Florence is more mystified and also somewhat petulant. Well, I... Johnny seizes her hand and drags her quickly off upright. Isabel not stopping. I'm afraid we must stop. No. I mustn't wear you out. Upon this, without looking at them, Aunt Ellen abruptly stops playing in the middle of a measure. She does not look at them at all, but goes quickly up and straight off left without turning. They are unconscious of her, and seem even unconscious that the piano has stopped, or that they have ceased to dance. They have come to a halt directly up of the table left centre, and close by it, looking at each other. Ames speaking angrily the instant they and the music stop. I want to tell you just this. You've been mocking me every second since we first met in that godforsaken railway station. No. You have, every instant. Never, never once, never, never. You were at it half the day yesterday and as much of the night as you could stay awake and all day today. But it won't do. When did you decide I was mocking you? I thought so all day, but I knew it when I saw you dancing with that boy. Do you mind my dancing with the boys? No, I'm not jealous. But it came over me. You've just mocked me. Can't you imagine a woman's being a little nervous about one man's knowing how often the earth's gone round the sun since she was born? Am I the one man? That's why women are afraid of everybody's knowing. It might reach the one man. That's the reason a woman cares about her age. He might care. She touches the open Bible on the table. Look, Mr. Ames, I'll turn my back while you're looking. She walks away from him slowly. Ames puts one hand on Bible, but keeps looking at Isabel. Isabel, as he does this, on the left-hand page, you'll find all of Papa's descendants by his first wife. On the right-hand page, you'll see where the poor old darling married again. Such a heathenish time. Afterward... That's what I thought. That's why I was looking for your Bible. Underneath is where you'll find me. How have you found me? Yes, I have. Closes Bible. Oh, you didn't look? Ames crosses to Isabel, holds out his arms as if to embrace her. Let's sit by the fire, shall we? Crosses right. He touches the switch key, and the only light is the firelight. She sits slowly on sofa, looking up at him, and he takes a chair nearby. 
then florence is heard laughing gaily off up left and a moment later she is heard again florence affecting reproach off up left all right for you johnny white i'll tell your mother on you the fire is pleasant even in april isn't it yes do you think you could say to me good night dear without the good night i think i could if you're sure you don't mind anything you didn't see in the bible dear you infant ames takes her hand kisses it and then lifts her hand to his cheek isabel gives a little exclamation of delight oh curtain end of act three end of the intimate strangers by booth tarkington